Welcome to It's Who You Know, the podcast, bridging the gap between Jewish leaders and those who follow them. Gain insight from Jewish professionals who make the decisions that influence your Jewish world. Welcome to It's Who You Know, the podcast. This is your host, Michelle W. Malkin, and I am in conversation today with the executive director of a more perfect union, uh, the Jewish Partnership for Democracy, Aaron Dorfman. And the reason I wanted to bring him on the program today um, is that I've been hearing about this organization a lot. And uh, when I reached out to set this interview with Aaron, I got wrote in by your staff to say, well, that's all well and good, but let us tell you what it is we're doing and how you can uh, be involved. And so I couldn't resist their charm and uh, have actually signed up as a partner of the organization. And so after the conversation that you'll hear uh, between me and Aaron, uh, subsequent conversations that I'll be releasing will be uh, for organizations that are um, a member of this, this partnership. And it's all about uh, the quo quo, Michelle. It's all about absolutely, the absolutely. So we're. I'm just excited to hear from people I probably would have reached out to hear from anyway. Um, but to sort of help your your cause go forward. So welcome, Aaron, to the the program. Um, and and I'll just start with with you personally. Um, you know, growing up, how you got into this position. Um, and you can dive a little bit into um what made you want to do this. Um, great. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me on. Um, and for joining. Um, uh, my, I always start my story with my parents. My parents were civil rights activists. Uh, my dad grew up, uh, uh, kind of affluent, small C conservative, Long Island, Jewish, mid 20th century. Um, my mom grew up Episcopalian in a small town in Northern Minnesota. Um, and they kind of both by, by, uh, uh very different roots ended up in Western Kentucky in the late 1960s doing civil rights work. Uh, and their kind of story and the commitment they had to civil rights and social justice really uh, shaped and and I think determined a lot of my personal and professional trajectory. They ended up back in Minnesota, where my mom was from, and that's where I grew up. Um, I was very active in the reform youth movement and kind of Zionist summer camp world. Um, and then after college, I spent 10 years as a reform uh, synagogue educator in the Bay Area. Um, and then kind of made my way through grad school to eventually into yeshiva and, and then eventually to New York, where I spent 10 years as part of the leadership team at uh, American Jewish World Service. Um, and then in 2016, I, uh, I became the president of Lipman Camp for Foundation for Living Torah, which is a Jewish family foundation um, uh, here in New York. Um, and uh Lipman Canfer has got an incredible kind of storied commitment to Jewish education and social justice, which is what I had spent my... Sounds right up your alley. I totally can see why my, they would have hired you. <laughs> my jam. Um, and so I signed on it and it was the summer of 2016 and like everything seemed like it was going to be great. We were going to do amazing things together. Um, we did end up doing amazing things together, but then the 2016 election happened mm. um, and we had like a moment. The the board and I had a real moment um, right after I arrived uh, you know, part of that moment was, um, you know, we're kind of political liberals and things that we care about are going to be challenged under a new Republican administration. And we know what to do under those circumstances. Like we've got a playbook for that. But part of it was also, uh, oh, this is like this election and this new administration are part of a um, global kind of rising authoritarian anti-democratic phenomenon that's happening. And we don't exactly uh, <laughs> you can like, add, add to your list. I'll, 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 yeah, I'm not going to use that. Like, I, like, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, uh, like a, a definitely a, a global movement that is threatening right. democracies around the world. And that's something for which we don't have a playbook. We don't know exactly what to do, but we know that the Jewish community needs to respond. 
And the board really, I think, very, uh, with a lot of trust and a lot of generosity, kind of authorized me to spend a lot of the time that I was at the foundation over those five years from 2016 to 2021, trying to figure that out. How can the Jewish community play a meaningful role protecting and strengthening democracy in America? Um, so I did that work at the foundation for five years. And then in 2021, um, again, with a lot of support from the Limit Canfer Foundation, spun off that portfolio of work into what has become a more perfect union, the Jewish Partnership for Democracy. That's the trajectory. Yeah. And so was do you still have support from that foundation that that kickstarted this? Yeah, Lucky they Gat. were. Yep. They were uh they were and are our anchor funder. Uh they provide about a third of our um operating capital and have committed to support us through 2024. I hope long beyond that, but they made a really generous um investment in uh, helping us get off the ground and mm. continue to support us at a really generous level. Is that your uh, advice to Jewish professionals? If you want to start on your own, go to a family foundation first. <laughs> Work yeah. for them, build those relationships, and then we'll fund your side project. <laughs> very hard never to extrapolate from my own experience to offer advice. To, <laughs> to, like, don't don't follow me. Uh, right. Yeah. No problem. But I, I did want to mention, like, can we just not have any like, well, and then this year, blah, blah, blah happened. You all know about blah, 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 this horrible thing. I was like, can we just stop doing all that? No volcano. Yeah. That's when the volcano erupted or the asteroid hit our planet. No, Trump was president. We had a, a pandemic. Um, so tell me There's a little been bit. A lot of that, right? There's been a lot of that. Yes. Unprecedented, like, right. Every year is unprecedented. Yes, indeed. So tell me a little bit more about sort of the the vision when it got started and where the evolution and where we're kind of at today with with the efforts. Yeah. So A More Perfect Union uh, launched in the beginning of 2022. Um, our mission, which we articulated right away and, and kind of remains evergreen, is to mobilize the American Jewish community to protect and strengthen American democracy. Um, I'd say that like the animating vision behind that is that uh, Jews have it better in America than we've had it anywhere else in the diaspora in the last 2000 years. And that's primarily a function of American democracy, right? It creates and has created for the last, you know, almost 250 years, um, an amazing enabling environment for Jewish life in this country. We've built educational institutions and synagogues and social service agencies and advocacy organizations and cultural institutions like an yeah. amazing vibrant Jewish life here. Um, and American democracy, liberal democracy is what made that possible. So uh, if only out of a sense of enlightened self-interest, we've got, a, I think, a, a real responsibility and real opportunity in this moment of democratic precarity to harness some of our community's energy, as much of it as possible, across the political spectrum, the denominational spectrum, to kind of protect and strengthen it. So, so what... Yeah, go ahead. That, that's your elevator pitch. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, so kind of working a little bit further back as well, like what what were you seeing that you felt was broken? Like what were you seeing that you felt, maybe not broken, you know, um, there's a book, I don't know if you know, Blue Ocean Strategy, which basically is saying like, you don't have to disrupt everything. You can create something new and that's good too. And so I was curious, like what was the exact evidence where you're like, I'm, I'm not going to run this foundation anymore. I really want, you know, you obviously, I assume, went to the funder and said, I'd like to do this instead. Um, what was that case statement? What was broken that you were seeing? Yeah, it wasn't so much broken. I think it was what was missing, right? I think Blue right. exactly the right analogy. Uh, um, there are, I mean, this won't come as, I'm not going to say anything. This is not like a, a big chiddish, right? Like um, American Jewish leaders, American Jewish institutions, uh, like many Jewish, like many institutions and leaders in America, recognize that we're in a moment of um, democratic fragility, right? There are 
challenges to voting rights. There was a contested federal election for the first time uh, in, in like in, in living memory. Um, there are challenges around uh, access to local press. Uh, there's disenchantment with democracy. Civics education is in decline. All of those things are happening in the United States and globally. And uh, um, I like the the thing that I um, kind of noticed or recognized was, and again, not not um, not unique in this. It's going to take all like democracies are not spectator sports, mm -hmm. and it takes everybody. It takes everybody working on them to sustain them. It's part of the the definition of what makes a democracy function. So I didn't have any delusions, and don't have any delusions that the Jews are going to save American democracy. But I do think it's going to take everybody, right? It's going to take the Asian American Pacific Islander community doing its part, and the you know the uh, the right. Latino community, the Black community, the LGBTQ community, the evangelical community, and we have to show up. And I think Jewish institutions have a, a really valuable potential role to play in um, bolstering and strengthening American democracy. And I think a lot of them um, feel uh, feel that pull, but also feel like, oh, what do I? What can I do? What can I do without getting pulled into a polarized mess? Right. What can I do without alienating my members who hold divergent? kind of partisan identities and positions? What can I do without getting myself into trouble around my C3 status? Right. So the gap that we try to fill is, how do we help Jewish institutions, nonprofits, play a meaningful, productive, legal, nonpartisan role in uh, protecting and strengthening democracy in this moment? That was the gap. Oop, I've lost your audio. this is gonna happen we'll bring it back okay i think we're back yeah. Yeah. excellent good enough um so and now i gotta remember my train of thought uh but so it was wonderful for you to talk about sort of where the impotence of this came from and i think the the partisanship is definitely something that i have discussed with colleagues in terms of what's currently out there and how it is you know alienating so how does how do you make that happen? So somebody joins, you know, obviously i'm joining to help amplify the voices and the organizations that are part of these partnerships um but what are some ways that your partners are doing that? What was sort of the the vision of how you're going to change the world for us, Aaron? <laughs> right. The partisanship front. Well, let me let me talk about the partisanship front first, and yeah. then I can talk about sort of the action piece because I think those those two things kind of go hand in glove. So one of the things we recognized, you know, like uh, uh, almost from the very beginning, after we had kind of uh, articulated this this gap that needed to be filled and and declared what our mission was going to be. Um, was that uh, we're we're wading into a space that's hyper polarized, hyper partisan and and toxic, right? Like people are are really scared and threatened by um, by that by that toxic polarization. So our next step was to go out and recruit a group of um, amazing strategic advisors, um, people who are expert in the democracy space, expert in Jewish communal life, um, and very intentionally politically and ideologically diverse. So uh, we got um, Yuval Levin, who's a neoconservative scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, and Dr. Erica Brown, who's a scholar at Yeshiva University, um, and uh, Ben Ginsburg, who's been a lawyer for the Republican Party for 40 years. And we got Rabbi Sharon Brous at Icar in Los Angeles, and Eric Ward, who's the executive vice president for Race Forward, and Rabbi Jonah Pesner at the Religious Action Center of Reform Judaism, and a whole bunch of other people who... Um, share our deep commitment to democracy, um, disagree with each other about lots of policy issues, right. 
were willing to kind of uh, uh, like put their face and name and institutional identity on a website together and say, yeah, we're we're in this with people we disagree with because it matters. Um, and we and got, they and they all yeah. shared the same view that there were broken pieces or missing pieces yes. in what was currently around. Yeah, absolutely. They totally like recognize that challenge. And, uh, you know, we, we recruited them really for two reasons. One, because we actually are working on something really hard and we needed people who could give us um, tough advice that we could bring our really our gnarliest strategic questions to, but also because we wanted their Heckscher. We wanted their imprimatur. And um, I can't tell you like over the last 15 months, how many partners have said, um, oh, you know, we would never have been able to join you, but for this person who is one of your strategic advisors mm-hmm. right? and the, you know, member of my board or the funder or the member of my staff who I was able to say, this person has endorsed this thing. And of course, there are people who are members of the strategic advisory who feel totally alienating to you, but this person right. has endorsed it. We can go forward. So that was that has been a major major factor, and that uh, I'd say that has followed through in our recruitment of partners. Right, we have put a lot of energy and time and effort into recruiting partners in the you know the apolitical Jewish middle, JCCs, federations, Jewish human service agencies, for whom the politics are not um, like not so much in play, right. but also. Uh, left-leaning synagogues and uh, can all support democracy. <laughs> you can all support yeah. democracy, um, and trying to build that community in a really intentional way. So that's a lot of how we've navigated the 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 polarization in terms of um, community identity. And then in terms of like the actions that we like, what we ask people to do by way of being partners, um, when we started in 2022, we focused on a single strategic priority. It was all about ensuring a free and fair 2022 midterm election. We had just come off of January 6th. We just come off of a contested federal election. We wanted to give people an opportunity to work on free and fair elections without getting like torn up on on the partisan stuff. So we asked them to do like, I sometimes call them like, Par of things, <laughs> like, like unimpeachably nonpartisan things, like right. recruiting poll workers, opening their building to serve as a polling site, yeah. um, recruiting nonpartisan poll monitors, things like that. And those were things that, like, I mean, I guess you can make a partisan argument about against recruiting poll workers, but it's not really a credible one. So we've tried to characterize. Yeah, but the poll, yeah, because the poll worker isn't like, and you should definitely vote for these people. <laughs> you know, right. it's, it's like a blood they drive, just, right? They, like you just, they're, yeah, they're friendly, yeah, they're, welcoming. Right, they're friendly, welcoming. And and like all of us know somebody, right? There's like the neighbor or the aunt or the, um, you know, the the former teacher who's been a poll worker. And so uh, we've, we've tried to focus on activities and actions that we ask people to take that are, um, again, as, uh, as unimpeachably nonpartisan as possible in order to lower the temperature on an issue that that turns out to be quite contentious. Right, right. That's awesome. And so what's the vision? Just this sense that people in the Jewish community have a resource for democracy? What's that mean? You know, is it X amount of people are involved? Is it, you know, what's the, not the end game necessarily, but what's, you know, the vision of what you're working towards? Yeah, so the vision is really to build a uh, a network of Jewish organizations, nonprofit organizations that are um, diverse across lots of important spectra, geography, sector, denomination, ideology, 
who share a commitment to American democracy and who are taking action in pursuit of it. Mm -hmm. So again, in 2022, we focused all of that work on uh, free and fair elections. In 2023, we've added a set of other kind of verticals, a set of other strategic priorities that really try to take advantage of Jewish community capacity. So we're now asking partners to join us to do free and fair elections work. Um, to work on expanding opportunities for civics education. How do we like use Jewish educational context to teach people about what it means to be a, a citizen? The now, is, thir- is that something already developed and and being implemented or it's in the process of being? No, there, so there, there are organizations that are already doing amazing oh, work. Oh, okay. Yeah, Civic Spirit is a relatively new organization that's based here in the Northeast um, that's uh, working with um, initially with Jewish and Catholic parochial high schools, but now with a broad range of different parochial high schools to help build um, robust civics education that's grounded in their religious community's identity, but committed to a pluralistic kind of multi-faith American democracy. Yeah. And is that reaching American synagogues in religious schools? It's mostly focused on day schools. Okay. Well, so no. <laughs> no, 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 not yet. Yeah. It's reaching, it's reaching um, day mm. schools. And there are lots of other kind of emergent, um, uh, you know, producers of content that we're trying to play awesome. a connective tissue role between the pro-democracy and civic engagement world and the Jewish world. So that's how we're doing it in civics education. Awesome. We're trying to do it also on promoting pluralism. Like, how do we get people to have healthy, productive disagreements with each other? Because mm. God knows they're going to keep having disagreements. I say we're going to have the have to use those skills in a lot of different places in people's lives than just talking about politics. But yes, yeah, indeed. Exactly. And so, so the, is is there yeah. also like a speakers bureau type? Like, if you want to have a more perfect union person come to your whatever and speak about democracy, is that part of the? Part of the wonderful picture, in 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 a in in a way, I'd say mm-hmm. like uh, the um, the mechanics of what we're doing is we're inviting Jewish organizations to come to to sort of join us in this in in the way that you have, and um, that that joining takes the form of them saying, okay, this is the thing I'm going to do. Right. I'm going to I'm at Campus Hillel. I'm going to recruit poll workers from among my students or I'm at day school. We're going to add a civics class to our scope and sequence mm. or I'm a JCC and we're going to run a program to help our members disagree with each other productively. So they stop yelling at each other in the gym. Yeah, right. Whatever that thing is right. Um, and they join. And then we do essentially two things. One is we help them succeed at their commitment. We connect them with speakers, we connect them with resources, we connect them with organizations in the democracy space that are building the tools and capacity to help them do those things. And then, and this is probably the more important part of it, we're we're working to knit together our partners, again, across sector, across geography, across denomination and ideology, so that the network becomes its own um, uh, generative space to mm. respond to emergent threats and opportunities. God forbid there's another January 6th. We'd like to be in a position yes. to have hundreds of Jewish organizations. And this is not like, we're not going to be ready for this in 2023 or 24, maybe right. 2025, that have built some relationships, have been in a room together mm. and like argued well, come to trust one another and are able to respond productively to whatever's coming our way. Right. Awesome. That's a great uh, vision. <laughs> uh, it's, it's good. It's a little, when I, when I say it out loud, like, <laughs> what have I got a little overwhelming, right? <laughs> yeah, a bit, a bit. Um, 
Well, I want to kind of break it back down to sort of you personally. And so, you know, I'm sure people are interested, you know, if, if people have an idea of something they want to get started, some gap that they see, you know, obviously the biggest hurdle is what you happen to set up for yourself so nicely, you know, initially is just, you know, you know, getting some funding, right? Finding somebody who is interested or your own funding or a group of people that want to fund it. Um, walk me through that process though. I mean, so they're like, great, yeah, here's some money. And you're like, I got to build an organization now. You know, how did that look for you in terms of hiring staff? Is there office space? Isn't there office space? I mean, you, your you know, bylaws, all of the, I mean, assuming you're a 501c3, but you may not be, I don't know. But like all the infrastructure, you really legit created, you know, an organization just as you had the money doesn't mean I'm sure all the rest of that was easy. So I'm just interested to hear a little bit about what that process was like. Yeah, no, that's a, that is a, that is a great question. And again, like, I I feel like I can describe the, the, the steps I took and, and I'm also hyper aware of how idiosyncratic our particular trajectory and experience was. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, so like, all the caveats and the footnotes and the asterisks are assumed. Um, so the way that it worked was, uh, I, you know, I engaged with the the board of Let Me Canfer Foundation for Living Torah and said, like, this is the thing that I'm hoping to do. You know, are you on board and do you support? And this is the reason why I think it makes sense. Um, and they did their own deliberations and they gave me a planning grant to kind of uh, spell out what what it might look like. Mm. Um, and I made a, you know, a pretty uh, robust proposal to them and they... Um, they agreed and they, and they said, we set up actually this, this kind of, uh, awesome challenge grant situation where they, they gave, uh, they gave me funding for our first six months in 2022. And then, uh, said that the subsequent two and a half years of the initial grant were contingent on my hitting a set of benchmarks, building that group of strategic advisors, um, raising kind of the rest of my 2022 budget, um, uh, launching our recruitment and our sort of commitment and support framework that I described a set of things. And so that gave me a, a a runway to get, to get going and also gave me a set of incentives to go to other funders around and say to them, Hey, we've got the potential to unlock a really amazingly generous three-year grant from this, this core funder, but I need you to get me over the hump for 2022. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that obviously didn't, didn't make things automatic, but it certainly created a lot yeah. of a lot of incentives for me for um, for Lumen Canfer and for the other funders that I reached out to, um, and and they came through. I built I built an amazing kind of network of about a dozen uh, family foundations, mostly family foundations, professional foundations that are that are. Hey, that's that's the key. You got to get a job at a foundation before you can start your your own shop. You got to build those relationships. I don't think that's true, but I'm certainly kidding. that was worked a, out for you. <laughs> the you know huge huge leg up. Yeah. Uh, for, that's for, awesome. I mean, that's like I said, you're using the resources around you. And I think anyone, you know, your recent ha- resources happen to be, you know, financial and getting stuff started. But, you know, other people have other, you know, resources to tap into to make stuff happen. But that's, um, that's great. So you like had a plan, you had the money, you were ready plan, to go. We recruited this group of strategic advisors. And then we made another tactical, like a very important operational tactical decision, which is we did not spin off our own C3. Mm-hmm. We uh, we went into a fiscal sponsorship relationship. Um, initially, we were fiscally sponsored by a pro-democracy, um, bipartisan uh, organization outside the Jewish community based in DC called Issue One. Mm-hmm. And very generously kind of hosted us for our first 15 months. Um, and uh, yeah, basically like provided all the back end, you know, donation processing and 
all that stuff. Uh, talk about I, talk about what's missing in the Jewish community. I mean, I'll get back to your process, but yeah, yeah. you know, when I started this project, I was actually doing it like trying to be professional and get people to pay me money to you know put ads on their thing. I worked with Jewish Creativity International um, that you know serves in this function, but they're very much you know very succinct to arts related. I mean, this was arts enough, I guess, for them to to say yes. But you know, my husband also has um, a, a podcast called Taurus Mash. I'll give a shameless plug in there for nerdy Jews if you. Uh, right want to look that up but making a note yeah but if you're a nerdy jew go for it uh but almost impossible to find i mean i i run the local um president uh, sorry executive directors network for for synagogues in new jersey we have to use our own bank accounts to you know pay for meals and get some donations in because my sample wouldn't do it like jewish creativity national is like not not our jam Oop, i've lost your audio again hear me now and you're back excellent um so it's just saying like it's it's really hard it seems like when we talk about blue ocean like if there was yeah. just like jewish fiscal sponsor international and like anyone who has an idea and wants to park money with us and let us take care of some of that back end stuff while you get started up i mean imagine if you've just been able to do that within the jewish community it seems like it's definitely something that's missing yeah, I think there, I mean, there are some in the Jewish community, uh, but this one, you know, issue one made sense for us, I'd say both because they, you know, they were ideologically and, and kind of um, philosophically aligned with us and because we had a quick connect to them. So we were there for 15 months. And then uh, just in, in April of this year, we moved over to a, a much bigger kind of official fiscal sponsor, Tide Center. Uh, and that's where we we've kind of parked for the, for the time being. So it's manages our HR and finance and donation processing and all of that stuff. Oop. And I've lost your audio one more time. I keep saying oop at the beginning. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I was going to say really fun for our listeners to hear, to hear that over and over again. I've got a new office. I've got your technology. I promise I'll fix it next time. And that's the part of being an amateur. I'm like, it's either too quiet or too loud or here. I can't, you can't even hear me. So, um, so okay. that's great. So so now you feel like you're uh, growing a little bit more in terms of, you know, where you're, I mean, obviously, how many partners do you have now? Uh, we're, so we had 77, we grew to a network of 77 partners in our first year. Um, we we're working with many of them to kind of re-up and then uh, we're on track to get to 125 by the end of 2023. That's great. And but that's not money, right? That's just people that are, are yeah, setting up board. And, yeah. It's action. It's it's affiliation and action and and kind of uh commitment. It's that's that's really what that's about. Yeah. So let's get back to you building this thing. So so uh where we at? So you got a bigger fiscal sponsor, you get a fiscal sponsor, you you are at home, you have an office, you have X amount of employees that you hired. <laughs> So we, you know, launched this thing mid COVID. And so uh, I had been working from home up to that point. Um, I had identified a couple of amazing people who uh, I had worked with during this period of time that I was mm. at the, the foundation, who both of whom were in transition around other kinds of work things. And, you know, I recruited them to work with me. One of them is still one of my core partners at a more perfect union, Sophia Hersher and Um, and they kind of like signed on like, sure, we'll give this a six month go. Yeah. Uh, see if it happens. And, uh, once we kind of hit the, the, um, benchmark that we'd set up with Lim and Canfer, we were a going concern and I recruited a couple of other people. And as of this summer, we're really like a fully set team of five. Um, we're, 
remote, two people in DC, one in Dallas, one on Long Island, and me in Brooklyn. Um, we use a lot of technology, Slack and Zoom and you know, all the cloud-based drives. Right. And we uh, were committed to getting together in person for a couple of days every two or three months, just because that, you know, the the flow of relationship building and trust building and like concentrated work that can get done um, when you're in person really still feels different. But I think this is like the world we're in for certainly for us for the time being. Yeah, that's great. I think um, one of the things we're dealing with at our synagogue right now is is rapid growth. We got 10 new members just this last week and we're like, what do we do with this? But, you know, you're, you know, clearly reaching a lot of people. And, you know, I think that's always a point where things start to grow and you're like, ah, how do we like keep doing this? How do we keep up? Because you're going to just get more and more partners that you're trying to support in doing their work, right? That's what you talked about in in terms of your model that, you know, we're going to offer you the support to to be able to be engaged in this kind of work. But, you know, you're going to need more and more staff with the more and more people that are, you know, engaging with the the organization. So is there like thoughts of conference or, or you doing speaking engagements or you're really trying to make the most democracy of <laughs> democracy and uh, power to the people support and relationships? Uh, so we're, <clears throat> we are trying very hard to stay lean. I think one of the, um, one of the strategic decisions we made early on was that we did not, we do not want to create a, a set of sort of bespoke, um, you know, bounded Jewish, uh, con, you know, ch- uh, uh, like channels for any of these things. Like we didn't want to recruit Jewish poll workers to be in their own little Jewish poll worker world. Right. Uh, we partnered with Power the Polls, which does poll worker recruitment nationally and served as the connective tissue between Power the Polls and Jewish institutions who were doing poll worker recruitment. Mm. So part of how we try to stay lean is that we're identifying these, um, you know, excellent best in class pro-democracy and civic engagement institutions, and then just connecting them with um, Jewish institutions that that want and need their services or, you know, want to be able to provide access to them. That's not, you know, that's not staff time neutral, um, but it certainly allows us to be leaner. But yes, yeah, certainly as we grow, you know, I think in, in 2024, if we if we um, continue to build on the 125 partners we're lined up to get to this year, we'll need another staff person to help make sure that we're um, supporting our partners, doing the um, the network weaving that we want to be doing among them, building the connections between them and democracy organizations that we need to do. Um, yeah, and 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 you mentioned um, conferences. Yes, we've got a plan uh, for the. We, we do for whatever reason love our conferences. <laughs> I mean, I love them. Yeah, I know. I know. I have lots of I have lots of feelings about uh, that 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 year that we gave the Earth to breathe uh, when we were not all yeah. flying up the place and how. Um, that whole conference thing has come storming back, but we're going to be part of the problem, hopefully just on a biennial basis. Right. Uh, spring of 2024, we're planning to bring all of our partners together um, to learn with and from each other, build relationships, build trust, um, try to fulfill the promise of, uh, uh, you know, really like diverse pro-democracy Jewish civil society movement. That's awesome. And that's definitely not, you know, something that is happening in time up partisanism and, you know, and I think also a little bit of, you know, uniqueness that like, you know, the Jewish community has something to say about this and has more room for, for growth in, in their support of this, that it crosses the aisle, which like you said, is not always something easy for people to, I guess it's more easy for people to jump in because it's, you know, across the aisle, but it's not something that's readily mostly available with social justice um, initiatives, which is really great. Um, 
So I want to talk a little bit more about a little bit yourself, but you know, you have a, a long history as a Jewish communal professional in lots of different ways. Um, and now you lead a, a brand new effort and a brand new team. Um, our audience, as far as I know, and I probably say this every time, but are you know, Jewish professionals or people that work in the Jewish community or are volunteer for the Jewish community are interested in uh, those that lead our organizations. Um, just what's some advice that comes to mind in terms of you know lessons you've learned in your career or the way that you you know coach and work and mentor the staff that have followed you and so hopefully not following in a, a bad direction but you know it's a big responsibility and so um, I'd love to hear a little bit about just advice you have for people in the field at any sort of stage of their career. Um. Whoa. I. <laughs> I warned like, you. I promise. I warned you. <laughs> no. 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 You did. You did. You did. That's- very large question. Mm. Um, look, I, I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll share a, a couple of things that come to mind, but I, I will say, you know, I've been the beneficiary of extraordinary um, mentors and, and teachers in the Jewish community and outside of it. Um, so I feel like this is all, um, you know, Bishem Omra, this is all in, in the name of other, other people who, from whom I've learned the, whatever I've learned. Uh, I, I think, one one of the things that comes to mind for me about about how I'm trying to lead in this context, uh, like the word that comes to mind is balance, mm. and I'll say like a bunch of different things about that. So mm. one piece of it is, um, and I'm, it's, it's coming to mind because I just we we're just kind of in the onboarding process with a couple of new members of the team, and one of the things that I say to new people when they join is, um, like I see my I see my responsibility to. Um, members of our team as having like multiple different parts. One part of it is to uh, maximize the the value that they create for the organization, right? Like mm-hmm. how do I unlock everything that they can give in order to make the organization great? A second piece of it, and this is where the balance comes in, is how do I like provide for them the most fulfilling, meaningful professional experience that I can so that they get to become the, the professional that they want to be and they get to develop in the way that they want to develop. And then I think there's this third like constituency that I always sort of have in mind, which is their future employer, right? Which is like, who's the who's the next what's the next institution where they're going to work and how do i cultivate them as a professional who's going to be able to make you know the the kind of excellent contributions to that next professional environment in the same way that some other supervisors along the way have tried to build them up so that they could arrive to me at the time that i needed them to do the things that i need them to do um so it feels like it it always feels like a balance um, uh, in, in among those um, among those priorities in working with managing, mentoring, supervising staff members. Um, so and, yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna make sure my audio works, and then I'm gonna <laughs> I want to dive yeah. a little more because I mean you're you're building something, right? And part of building something means that things are gonna grow and things are gonna change. And so it's interesting to hear from you that like what you think about, which traditionally I think in a lot of ways when someone's career trajectory that, again, we all know we're not spending 40 years in the same organization. But the reason we're not spending 40 years in the same organization is especially Jewish organizations, there's not a lot of sort of wiggle room and development that normally happens in pretty stable, larger or even smaller organizations. Um, So it's interesting that for you, your mind is already at like, you're going to have to go somewhere else to experience more or different or have more responsibilities, whatever that looks like. Um, And so 
you know, whether or not there's going to be careers that are 20 years where somebody is able to actually, you know, move up the ranks into the positions they want. You know, I've been doing that a lot here with um, a couple of my staff members is like, all right, well, you really, you got this part of your job down. Let's, you know, see if we can't, you know, get you up the 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 rung with responsibilities. But, you know, maybe you haven't thought about this. Like you're going to grow. And so maybe somebody right now who does marketing for you, you know, you'll develop them enough to be like, not the next organization, but the next opportunity here that, that has for you. But I think that's definitely like a very selfless, you seem very selfless in general, but a way of uh, of talking about your staff in terms of it's not about me and what you can produce for me, but you know it's about the organization and about you as a person and what I can offer you in your growth and trajectory while you're while you're with us. Yeah, and it doesn't I like I don't want to oversell myself. It doesn't feel selfless to me. It's more like <laughs> I hope all, you know, I hope like all people who who uh, manage and supervise and mentor staff are thinking the same way cuz yeah. like make sure that there are great people who are available to to join. It's us. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> Working towards yeah. it. Thank you, Leading Edge. But I don't, I don't know how far we are. <laughs> being, and everyone's uh, feeling that way. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually wanted to come back to something else you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think one of the one of the distinctive things about this role that's quite different from the other professional roles I've had, <clears throat> excuse me, which have all been in established organizations, is right. I'm running a scrappy startup. So when people have joined, I've said to them like you know, don't, don't think you're going to master what we do here quickly, because what we do here today is quite different from whatever we're going to be doing, you know, what we're doing here five months ago, and certainly what we're going to be doing five months from now. So I think that's another piece of this, that's, that's a real learning curve for me. You know, I was at a synagogue that had been around for 80 years and at Mm -hmm. a large national Jewish nonprofit that had been around for 25 years when I joined and at a family foundation that had a long history um, and here there's a lot of um, people are joining, the members of the team, myself included, are joining and having to invent, create, respond, um, redevelop almost everything from from the ground up, which is a, a fascinating learning experience for me and I think also for members of the team. Yeah, definitely. So going back to that advice, um, yeah. if, let's, let's pare it down a little bit. Yeah. Somebody's working in a Jewish organization or not working in a Jewish organization, and they've got this idea in the back of their head, and they're just like, man, like there should be a fiscal sponsorship, you know, organization. And like, I want to do it, but I've got a really good paying job and my schedule works and my kids are happy. But like, I'm not talking about myself, but I'm just kidding. Um, but this seriously, like, I'm sure I can't imagine there are people out there that have some cool, interesting idea or disruptive or not disruptive. Um, like where does somebody get started? I know there's um, Upstart does a really great sort of accelerators program, um, but even just for oneself, right? What's you know, there was a point where you didn't have all this, right? And you thought, God, this yeah. that probably bugged you for a while before you actually were like, okay, how do we actually get you know make this happen? Um, so just any advice you have from your journey or, or from other people's journey that you've learned from uh, about for for those people that that have that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's. It's it's a great question. Uh, I I joke I joke sometimes with um, with our with our funders or our prospective funders that uh, like running a a social change organization takes three things. One is like a good idea that's worth doing, Mm. right? We often call a mission. The second is uh, a capacity for hard work, and the third is honestly money. Yeah. And, um, 
know, when I'm having this conversation with a funder, I say, I can do the first two of those things, but I need you to show up with the third because like, that's, that's the role you play in the ecosystem. Um, so that's like my, my kind of off the cuff answer to your question. Look, I think that, I think that we, thank, thank goodness we have an upstart in the Jewish community now uh, that know. is right. That is, that is serving as that kind of a, uh, like a one step off the ground. I have a great idea and I'm not sure what to do with it. I'm not sure it's viable, but if I pass, you know, whatever upstarts, um, criteria are for, um, for potential viability, there's going to be support and, and resources there to help me experiment with the thing. Um, I think that's, I think that's an amazing, um, investment that the, the Jewish philanthropic community has made and, and, um, resource that Upstart creates so that. Well, uh, I know the, the OU also has some kind of accelerator for, yep. for nonprofits, which is. Ooh, lost you again on the audio. And once again, said, I'm, <laughs> I wish I could tell you to cut this out, but I can't. Um, I got to call my IT team. Um, but no, I was saying, you know, EPSA and o, and the OU's Accelerator, I think those are the only two in the Jewish community that are really doing this kind of work to support and, you know, get help keep people get off the ground with these kind of ideas. But right, they probably... Was itself a was a merger of um, Joshua Venture Group and Bikurim and Present Tense that we're all yes. doing, but they made their own whatever decision to to merge. So I think, I think it's I think it's great that those things exist, and I think that you know the to the extent that I have advice it to for people who um, who have an interest in pursuing a big idea, it's to you know it's to seek out um those accelerator catalyst investment things that um that can help them test those ideas yeah that's awesome not rocket science i'm not like i don't feel like i'm sharing a <laughs> no I'm, but maybe they didn't i mean i don't think that you know if i wasn't a jewish professional or i hadn't had this particular interest in getting to know everybody um you know i might not have known that upstar exists or that there was sort of these programs so you know one of the 400 people who listen to these will may, maybe got you to learn something a little bit different. Um, yeah. So you kind of talked about balance and um, I asked this question in, a, in an assumption of, um, you know, your own life. And we, we all have personal lives that we try to, to balance and hobbies like this that we try to balance and enjoying the limited time we have here on earth. And so I'll just hear a little bit about how, you know, there, I'm sure there's mountains of work that can take up every single minute of your, your day starting something new like this. Um, but how do you try to keep it balanced? How do you try to bring some life into your life? <laughs> That's not work. <laughs> Um, well, I, I mean, I feel very, very blessed is the word that came to mind. Although that's not really a word yeah, that's that a I, good one. But, um, I feel very blessed by the fact that I have an amazing partner and three amazing kids. And like, I, uh, have the, the, the privilege of being able to spend a ton of time with them and have lots of, um, really valuable and important things that fill my life outside of my work. Um, and I think, you know, how I navigate the balance around that is really, I think it's really twofold. One is um, uh, like an internal thing that I've come to kind of recognize as someone who was, you know, probably would have qualified as a workaholic earlier in my, in my professional life. Like I know I've, nothing about that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I've really come to like, uh, and this is th through a lot of internal work, um, have much more humility about how, mm -hmm. 
important I am, how important my work is, how important the incremental hour is. Um, I have an infinite to-do list. I keep it on mm-hmm. a little pad that's in relationship with Asana. And like it never, I never cross everything off. That just never happens. I have an inbox that's in disarray. Um, <laughs> and the incremental whatever thing that I do isn't going to make or break the world. I work hard. I work right. hard and I work smart and I do all those things. And, you know, when when Shabbat rolls in this evening, I'm going to stop and there will be a whole bunch of yeah. things that aren't done and I will pick them up on, you know, Monday or Sunday evening or whatever. Um, and that that has taken a lot of a lot of like introspective, serious cheshbon nefesh to get to a place where um, I recognize that about myself. Um, and and it's, it, it's even goes so far as to be like, historically, you know, like I've read biographies of mm. great influential people who died. Yeah. Like their work was undone. Yeah. But like. That's yeah, just- but also that's, you know, that's kind of the world where we're in and it's trying to figure out like that that separation is is OK. Like I do have one hundred and twenty unread emails. And it'll get done. It's Friday. I'm talking to you. You know, it's, uh, you know, I feel that it's so easy to be stressed out by by those to-do lists, by all the apps that, you know, all the emails you're getting. I mean, it's really easy to do. And it takes a lot of intentionality to put that down, have a space, right? Go do something else and know that you've been, you know, productive in your day and, you know, are spending your time wisely here on earth. But uh, how do you make that separation? Is it a car ride or your home? Is it a cup of tea? Is it a little meditation? Uh, no, it's, I mean, it's really like, it's like, it's time to shut down now. Um, yeah. I, you know, I do it during the week because um, you know, my kids are at camp right now, but during the week, like mm-hmm. we eat together as a family for dinner every night. And that is, you know, that, that, that is sacrosanct and Shabbat is sacrosanct. And those things really um, are really like, important meaningful i like take my kids to school in the morning those that's also a a front-end boundary on the day which i think is really important which isn't to say that like every now and then i'm up late or i'm working on a sunday Mm -hmm. i think the other thing so in addition to the like the internal work which again has been uh, you know the work of you know 30 years of my professional life now um is i um like i have gotten much better at delegating Yes. I'm much better at being clear with the people who work with me, what things I'm handing off to them, um, where I need to be, con- you know, what the racy or the mocha looks like so that um, what I'm giving them that I need to be consulted about, what I'm giving them that I don't need to be consulted about. Trusting- do, you, do you use racies or you're just referring to that in your communication? No, no, we, we do. We do. We use racy and, you know, it's, we're not, we're not, um, you know, we're not like, handcuffed to it. Yeah, that's a good part of your culture you've created. Really, really important so that the people who work with me know um, where they have authority to exercise Mm -hmm. and where they need to consult each other, where they need to consult me, which decisions I want to hold on to, which ones I don't. Um, Now, is that a tool you use in previous jobs or was that something that you wanted to make sure it was implemented here? Yeah. No, no, I I learned about responsibility charting when I was at American Jewish World Service and Mm -hmm. brought it with me to uh, to Littman Canfer um, to work with my staff team there and um, uh, have colleagues now at at, um, a more perfect union who are, you know, have used that or other kinds of tools. And I think they're invaluable. Yeah. Lane clarity, communications clarity, accountability clarity. Um, yeah, that's that's a really important piece of the puzzle. That's awesome. 
That's really yeah. great. So we've we've covered a, a bunch of ground in our conversation. So you know, I want to make sure to leave a, leave a little bit of space if there was something else that was was on your mind that you think our listeners would be interested in hearing, either about you and your journey and advice or about the organization, where it's off to. And before we start the end, just in general, Yasher Klach on all of the the hard work, having funding or not, it's not a, you know an easy task to embody something and a vision and say, all right, let's go let's go make this happen. And that's super awesome. So yeah, anything else that you'd like, uh, you'd like to mention? Um, thanks, Michelle. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate this conversation. I um, really appreciate your partnership. I mean, look, I think I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate a couple of the themes that I shared earlier, which, which are, um, you know, we, we have built something absolutely extraordinary. We, the Jewish community built something absolutely extraordinary in this country. And, uh, I'm a, you know, despite all of the, the, the hue and cry about, um, our vulnerability and the risks and anti-Semitism and assimilation, all those things, like it is, it is miraculous in the 3,500 year history of, of the Jewish people, um, that we live as a, a, a tiny minority in this country and have built absolutely extraordinarily thriving Jewish life. Yeah. And, uh, it is in our interest to, um, help to ensure that the container that makes us possible and makes that life possible for ourselves and for future generations of Jews and, and the other people that we share this country with, um, uh, we've got a real, real vested interest and a real stake in that. So, um, if your listeners find that message compelling and, uh, are interested and willing to kind of roll up their sleeves and help us figure out what it means to do that well. And, um, in partnership with people that they may disagree with about a lot of things, uh, they should uh, they should look us up and give us a call. I will put your website in the show notes for anybody who is right. interested. Um, you're easy to find, www.jewishdemocracy.org. Yeah, you're easy to find and you have very good salespeople. <laughs> Again, it's an easy product to sell, but um, it was, uh, it was for me, it was very an interesting process in terms of, you know, initially just reaching out because I wanted to know more about the organization to um, to help you guys out. So, um, so wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. I really appreciate the conversation. And as I mentioned at the top of the program, uh, all the conversations that I'll be having for, I don't want to say the foreseeable future. I try not to plan that far ahead, but at least the next five to 10 um, will be with people who are partners of a more perfect union. And I'll definitely dive into what led to their involvement with, with the organization. Um, and then I'm out. I'm not a partner anymore. So that's all I can do for you is 10 episodes and no more. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I, I look forward to seeing, you know, sort of where you take this and, and where it grows. And um, I'm just really excited to, to talk to you and share a little bit with everybody else about your journey and creating this organization and something cool and new um, that's just doing gangbusters. So thank you. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Michelle. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Like this episode? Have a comment or a great suggestion for our next interview? Contact us through our website at itswhoyouknowthepodcast.com or on the It's Who You Know Facebook page. As always, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that others can find us. It's Who You Know, the podcast.